Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. You are listening to The Material Podcast, episode 200 minus 5. I think we should start doing a countdown because it's exciting. We are episode 200 minus 5, and I am Andy Anatko. Hi, I'm Flo, Florence Zion. Uh, I, I like your idea, Andy, of counting down to uh, the very big episode, which we are supposed to be planning. Uh, but, you know, I think as long as we just talk about what we want to manifest for that episode, <laughs> I think it will just come into fruition because that's how things work, right? You yeah, just I, manifest them. I, I decided that I'm definitely going to manifest another cake. <laughs> I'm definitely going to. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm definitely going to buy a cake. Okay. All right. I will. Uh, yes, I will put that on my calendar. <laughs> to eat cake this week, I will prepare myself. <laughs> I will eat nothing but veggies leading up to it. Yes. Uh, so that I can just go to town on that cake. Because let me tell you, there's nothing better than sitting in front of the TV uh, and just taking a fork and digging into the cake <laughs> and just it's just the best feeling in the world. It's one of my favorite feelings in the a world, good, honestly. A, a good yellow cake with that really, really rich, like, I'm talking about, like, a, a bakery-style mm. birthday cake. And none of that, oh, look, it's sort of like a shortcake with a cream. No. Like, well, it's sort of a, a, a cranberry take on a carrot. No. Give me, like, a good yellow cake. Chocolate, fine. Good yellow cake. I was going to say, chocolate is my, <laughs> yeah, that's my fine. choice. With a high fat, high cream content, mm -hmm. like frosting, with piping all around. And yep. the, I think the last time I abused this podcast to buy myself a cake, <laughs> uh, that's when I realized that uh, the I've, I've only done it like three or four times. And like the first couple of times, like it's hard to like, re I, again, I have no one, no one in the house to share the cake with. And at some point it's like, well, look, the, the edges are starting to get a little crusty. So if I don't eat like this whole third of a cake over the next four hours, it's just going to go bad. But that's but then I real with the next cake, I realized that this kind of cake freezes really, really well. And let me tell you, before I, I had no idea that I had the ability to simply put slices of beautiful birthday cake in the freezer, and then over the next month, month and a half, anytime I wanted a rich, wonderful dessert that wow. makes me happy. Again, given that I don't buy cookies, I don't buy like snacky junk food for the house. But there's I knowing that six times over the next month and a half, if I want a slice of cake, I can just take out this this vacuum sealed pouch that I seal this thing in. So next, oh, you vacuum seal it. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna ask how you keep it fresh in there because I just do the aluminum foil thing and it, yeah. I put a Whole Foods cake in there. And I mean, let me tell y'all, Whole Foods cake is like. You just feel like ten percent less bad about it than you would. It's like, like say a Costco cake, which is just like pure one hundred percent sugar, uh, and it, it's it's all icicle-y in there now. Yeah. See, this is but th <laughs> see, this is this is a this is a point that I made to myself years ago when I established my like sugary junk food horrible food in the house protocol. Mm -hmm. My my decision was that. We're not going to buy like the, the the hood ice cream, the half gallon, like once a week because it's not it's it's no good be having that much ice cream over the course of the week. And if really I just want to have this really indulgent sort of experience with ice cream, what if I buy one pint of, of Ben and Jerry's, a flavor I really, really like? And that's that I also I actually <laughs> take the take my biggest like kitchen knife 
while it's frozen and I slice it in half. And then I've again vacuum seal each half. So basically wow. so the 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 rest of it is not gonna go credit. Yeah. Oh no, no. That's <laughs> that's that's another show. But see, but with the cake, the, the secret is you put it in the freezer as is. Okay, and that gets it like nice and hot, nice and hard. And then when you take it out and you slice it and then you put it in the vacuum sealer, like the frosting won't get all smushed up and it'll be beautiful. So I've decided that this I've decided that for the 200th episode and because I now want to have cake for maybe two months instead of a month, month and a half, I am going to buy like the big family sized round birthday cake. Oh, okay. All right. So we're going to have to schedule cake buying. Got it. Yes. Uh, Andy, I have to, I just want to very quickly, you know, just, you know, as we're like catching up here together, a friendo to friendo and with everybody else who's here on the podcast, listening to us. Um, I really like this Samsung watch that I'm wearing. This gear, the Samsung gear watch, what's it called? Uh, It's the Samsung Galaxy Active. Yeah. And so I had told the tale last week of how I, um, you know, <laughs> gave into my entitlement and, <laughs> uh, and how I felt bad about that. Uh, but I ended up with a really cool smartwatch. So I am kind of, I'm, I'm just kind of exploring life with it right now. Um, I've been wearing it. I got this like very cute rose gold with a pink band on it. And you know, I I really like it because it so the band reminds me a lot of the Apple Watch band, kind of like that first gen silicone yeah. feeling one. And I like it because it's actually comfortable to wear. I mean, it's comfortable enough that I'm wearing it at night. It's easy mm-hmm. to just wipe clean uh, with a little soap and water. And I, you know, I have skin issues, so I constantly need to wipe down whatever is in close contact with my skin, um, like jewelry and any accessories that I have. And I'm just like, I'm just really happy. I'm really happy to have this watch. However, the thing that is just a real bummer is that there is no, I mean, there's no ecosystem for this thing. There are no apps that I want for it. I mean, I've got Strava on it, which it's coming in handy because the people that I actually quote unquote, share my exercises with, (laughs) you know, they happen to use Strava. And the reason is because it's like my husband and his friends and they're all mountain bikers. So that's why they use (laughs) Strava. Uh, And I I just kind of go along with them for the hikes. I don't I don't like mountain biking. It scares me to not have full control over (laughs) what I'm doing on a hill. That scares me. For some people, it thrills them. That does not thrill me. And so I was okay with that. But then as I was kind of like delving further into what the watch can do, it was asking me, okay, well, you want to get a readout of all this tracking that you're doing, all this uh, step tracking and heart rate tracking and also stress tracking, which it does. But we're not going to give you the readout unless you install the Samsung Health app. Yeah. So then I had to install the Samsung Health app. So now I have a folder in on my Android home screen that is Strava, Samsung Health, and Google Fit. And I'm still using Google Fit because I've been using it for so darn long. And I, as a Google user, I've just, listen, I'm really into indexing my life. Like, that's kind of why I give them all that data because at the end of the day, I have just this, this archive of everything I've done. And I, in particular, keep track of the active stuff because I, 
that stuff is really important. This is really important information as, as a human being to have. It's a, there's a reason that it's a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar, whatever industry, because we really want to know like how much sleep are we getting? How much are we moving? Uh, I liked Google Fit because you could do all of that at a glance, like year by year, month by month look. And then it will tell you like how much you did versus one time period to another time period to kind of let you know, okay, I'm obviously more physical when the weather is better because that's when I want to actually leave the house. I like having that data. I have no idea how to get that data from Samsung Health into Google Fit. And it is bumming me out right now. Um, One sort of like weird workaround that I figured out, which it only works when I'm tracking my hikes, which I like that I can use the watch because it does all the GPS fanciness for me. And I could just like do it from the watch instead of digging into my fanny pack for my phone. Yes, I wear a fanny pack. And so I have to connect Samsung Health to Strava and then Strava syncs with Google Fit. It's like so, it's yeah. so weird and it's not an apples to apples. And when I'm just counting my steps for the day, that will not sync with Google Fit. So Google Fit will have the tracking based on my phone if I had it with me. And it's not syncing up with what it says in Samsung Health. So I have all this like weird fragmentation of information right now that I'm dealing with. But I'm thinking like the trade-off is that I have this watch that's extremely comfortable to wear and I have not felt this comfortable with anything from Wear OS. Not even the LG watch style and anyway that thing I would not wear to go to the gym with. Yeah. Like it was just it was still too it was still really uncomfortable to sweat in. There's just something about I don't know if it was the plastic, I don't know if it was I did not have an athletic band for that one. So surely I was not going to wear leather to the gym because that's just screaming for for a rash for me and yeah. the kind of skin that I have. So like these are all just little things I want to mention because like smartwatches is not just about for I get for a lot of people. It's kind of having that second screen experience on your wrist. But for some of us, it's also just because we want to just keep track of how much sleep and how much we're walking. But I don't want to use. Like, I don't like the Fitbit things that they have. And I still want to be able to get, I still want to be able to have some Android integration. And at the very least, I can get like my Google Assistant alerts. I can't use the Assistant on the Samsung Watch because it's Bixby only. Yeah. You know, uh, and I sure as heck ain't using Bixby. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure, I mean, maybe one of these days I will and I'll figure out like what I can do with it. But right now I'm just, I'm too busy right now. I just don't have time. <laughs> To get into it's, it, see that's that's the disconnect for me. I um I have the Series Zero Apple Watch, like the very right. very first one that came out, that that I still wear an awful lot because I yeah. like the watch. It's I think it's very very stylish, and uh, I like putting new bands on it. That's fun too. But the but the big deal is that I don't I don't necessarily need um I don't necessarily need to plug into this huge fitness ecosystem. I really just want a watch that kind of reminds me that, hey, Andy, you've been kind of a slug this today. And uh, I wouldn't use the word slug because I was programmed by hippies in San Francisco. But this is not a yet stay away from salt this week is that is basically the oh, theme yeah. of your activity. Um, actually, Google Fit kind of does that as well. This has been a very uh, a very very bad winter for like my doing my bike rides and my constitutionals. Part. Oh, don't so, even get me started. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm so on the west. Like, I don't have snow. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, this. Well, 
they're, they're, Google Fit is so kind. They're being so gentle about this. They're saying about every but every couple of weeks since like uh, late December has been saying, why don't we adjust your move know, right? time goal down another five minutes? And now it's down to like, do you think maybe you could do a move around for a half hour a day? And like, it's usually like the goal is like between an hour, hour and a half, because like, oh, mine is just like, we'll give you tw- like just 20 <laughs> minutes. Like just do, let's just start you with 20 minutes. Come on, girl, get up, get up. I'm like, I don't want to. I can tell by the light sensor that you're you're in bed and you're on your left side because you usually have like your left arm pinned under you. So can we just get you to roll over? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. You know yep. what? Watches are going to do that one day. They're going to be like, I, I actually, this could happen in six months for all I know. Like somebody's already working on this, trying to find a way to like implement all this, all these new stuff. They're not new. It's just that we're finally like open with being emotional beings. Finally, <laughs> society is caught is starting to catch up a little bit. Uh, this watch, by the way, it gives you a variety of stretches to do if you've been sitting for too long, and then it measures you. It'll say like do six. Uh, I don't know how to describe these. Like it'll make you do this. I'm showing Andy on Skype. Maybe he can she has Skype, her fingers like, interlocked <laughs> and her palms out. Yeah, extended it's like towards like, her. Exactly. Like put. Uh, interlock your fingers and extend them out and then reach your arms up and do this six times up and down, up and down. And then it counts as you do it up and down, up and down on the watch. And then it's like, good job. You could sit back down again. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Uh, but then when you're stressed, that's the one that's been really, that's the one that's been really calling me out is the watch. And that's kind of one thing that I was really interested in in the watch because I am like, I have anxiety. I so I have a heart that is beating fast a lot and I need I need to keep track of that because I'm trying to figure out not to be super like all about flow here, but I'm trying to figure out how to take care of this, okay? Yes. And I need data. I need data to bring to my doctor. And welcome to 2019 folks, like your doctors want your data to help them out. And guess what? It is very it is great to bring that data in cuz that will help them help you. And so I was like, okay, let me see. I'm so stressed, Andy. Like the meter is constantly in the orange red, (laughs) which is like, what is going on? (laughs) It's a little, maybe I shouldn't be saying all this on the podcast, but I am. This is what the watches, this is what the watches told me about myself in the week or so that I've had it. Like, this is all the information I found out. So, but that's, but that's all, that's all good stuff. Because particularly when it comes to when it comes to our health, um, we tend to put a lot of emotion into our decisions one way or another. Like um, it's very very easy for it's it's easier for me to remind myself that uh, either a for whatever reason because it's just been like twelve degrees every day in a, every day in a row and it gets dark at two ten in the afternoon so why bother going out you haven't really done much walking in the past exactly three days I can tell you it's been it's been Monday since the last time you walked more than an eighth of a mile that is hard to 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 combat and also there are times where you know, you get a little, your brain is not on your side and you Mm -hmm. spend some time down in the dumps and your, your watch is, this is a feature that i really wish things could say. Yeah. You really now normal. You haven't really left the house in any 
reasonable way in the last three days. We're not saying that there's a problem, but we thought that was mer- that would merit popping up an alert. Which we is see you. You're seen. Like we see you. And yes, this is AI reminding you. But you know what? The AI sees you. Yeah. And sometimes a person just wants to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, that's uh, you know that's why I like the uh, on on your personal Google page. Uh, you can see a track of uh, of Google Maps of where you or at least your phone was. And I the I just sort of casually checked that for the first time. I don't know six or seven years ago, and noticed that this was this was a week where I was really I felt as though I was really really busy on deadlines, and so but I could see <laughs> that this just one dot that just sort of wiggled around like my house, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then one line that stretched out to like the McDonald's drive through and back again on one day of that week, and it just reminded it it was enough to put me in the mind of okay I guess we have to actually make sure that that's a to do list item that if I have not left the house in twenty four hours. I don't care how far behind on deadlines I am. I don't care how much I think, oh, this is an opportunity to really get crunch times. Like, no, you are going to go for a good three-mile walk because you did not leave the house at all yesterday. I have to, I have to get there. I know it's like, hey, welcome to Material Podcast, all about how I <laughs> deal with being freelancers. No, but but in all in all sincerity, uh, this is why smartwatches, uh, this is why people want them. And yep. this is why the Apple Watches has been so darn successful is because it's helped people connect on this shared goal of just like try listen we live in a society that makes us go 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 all the time and we're just trying to like keep it balanced and and i know that's like the same story for everybody but that's why these things are selling uh and so the tldr of the galaxy active so far in like my week with it is that this thing is stylish as heck it's one of the (laughs) smallest smartwatches i've worn since uh, since they came to Android, it does look good on your wrist. It doesn't look like it's a it's a boyfriend's watch, which is no. usually the thing with smartwatches or yeah. Android Wear watches. Um, but don't go into it thinking you're going to get the apps that you want. Yeah. I've had to actually. I ended up paying for a lot of apps that do things <laughs> that you would get for free <laughs> on the Google Play Store, just because they were better rated. And I I'm having a hard time like finding well rated things in the Galaxy App Store. So I'm. Um, you know, it's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting journey. But so far, the fact that I have I've been sleeping with this at night and I'm I'm reminding myself, okay, I'm not dreading it, that to me was like, okay, I think I'm gonna end up keeping this. Yeah. And just and also I should say, I just want to add one last thing, which is that it has a very nice like power saving watch mode. I like having like just the watch and the pedometer on me sometimes because like I don't wanna you don't need to constantly be disturbed by your notifications. That's not. Right. And by the way, mine are always on D and D because <laughs> unless you're a fave, I have like three faves in my life. And that's like, you yeah, know, just in case. God you know, that's, I, I, that's another, that's another thing I like about, I like so much more about the Apple watch. Like after I stopped, I actually had to switch back to the iPhone from my, uh, whatever my Android, uh, Android, uh, phone was at the time because i mm-hmm. felt as though i had to wear this thing like 24 7 for like three months to really be able to write about it uh yeah. and the and as soon as i switched as soon as i started using it just as a watch so many of my complaints about it went away completely because like suddenly because it's not tethered to the phone in my pocket 
it's not like interrupting me with notifications all the time. And now because I keep it in airplane mode, because there's no point in keeping the Wi-Fi or the mm-hmm, Bluetooth active. Mm-hmm. Hey, now the battery lasts actually three or four days instead of maybe one day, maybe a day and a little bit into the next day. So that's I, I really wish that there were more watches, particularly with android wear that don't they don't have to be super ambitious if you just can make something that will give me give me a good basic health uh portfolio uh and also be a nice stylish thing that i kind of enjoy putting on my wrist because i've i've looked at the garments i've looked at the fitbits for that reason saying well gee maybe i should just buy this 150 dollar like man garments are just like made for marathon runners like we're not all marathon runners some of us just like to go up and down a hill like three times a week and that's like the extent that you're gonna get out of me and i just want to know if i made my mileage cut off or not like i don't need more than that you know um uh it's an interesting it's well it's fun and i'm glad i'm glad it worked out i'm uh, i've so far tempted yeah so far yeah i've been (laughs) tempted i've been tempted by the samsung various watches the the thing that have has always kind of dead-ended it for me was that oh i really so i have to sign up for something through samsung now and you have to make sure that you sign up for this and you have to and it's like do i i don't think that's necessary yeah. I already had all that account stuff set up because like I had reviewed Samsung phones all those years. So I was just like, I jumped into back into an ecosystem that I had already kind of. So that's why I was like, well, I think the interesting thing is, by the way, I'm using this with my Pixel. So it's yeah. the pink watch with the pink Pixel, which when I told the guy <laughs> at Best Buy about it, I, I said this last week, but yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh... Just, be- just because tech designer, designers of consumer tech often uh stupidly just think oh well, we'll just make a pink one and that's why the that's why the dames will buy them that doesn't mean that ladies okay some ladies do not some that doesn't mean that, lady that some ladies is, don't enjoy having a pink this lady or wants give me gold. all yes. the blushy give me all the blushy colors <laughs> Uh, anyway. Anyway, so uh, before before we get to the commercial, one li- one little update: uh, Google just today was hit with another antitrust fine cool. uh, by cool. the EU. Uh, this one just put it on the pile. This one was uh, for one point seven billion dollars, and this one was regarding its uh, ad business, which is probably a point of pride. They would probably be offended if they didn't target uh, Google's ad business, saying, "Damn right, we own we we are we are the monopoly for for advertising because we work." We spent a lot of money and worked very hard to become a monopoly like that. So, yes, thank you. We will put that in our advertising brochure. Um, so we can add that to the $5.1 billion antitrust fine they got last year uh, for leveraging uh, and licensing out uh, Android to control the smartphone market. And the $2.7 billion they were fined in 2017 for uh, favoring their own online marketplace when people would Google search for products. So and Google is already uh, is 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 already fighting both of those fines. So they're gonna fight that as well. So I don't know about the online. I don't know about the online market. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's that big of a deal. A, yeah, I feel like that. I feel the it's online marketplace. Yeah, I just feel like <laughs> if you're going to Google.com and you're you're Googling for something like you kind of know Google has Android and they're going to surface you an app. And you know what? Some of us don't want to just be told to like and subscribe on iTunes because not all of us like and subscribe on iTunes. That's not how we all listen to podcasts. So 
Uh, but I, I can, I mean, I, I'm very curious. <laughs> I'm very curious. I'm very curious how all these uh, fines are hitting. I mean, maybe it's not really making a dent at the bottom line. What am I saying? These companies are multi, multi, multi billionaires. This is not to me a commoner who's never seen a billion dollars in her life. I'm just like, wow, that's a lot of money. Yes, I, I am but a humble boot black, and the EU is a noble lady, highly born. <laughs> <laughs> they're good. No, they're they'll they'll do okay, and they'll yeah, they'll be is, fine. This is this is going to be like the like uh, Apple and Qualcomm's suits against each other. They're the, the EU and Google are like Popeye and Bluto. They're just destined to always be fighting each other until the end of time. They will yeah. they will wind up a constellation. In the sky, that legend. Like Tom and the, Jerry. Yes. <laughs> uh, shall we do I'm an ad? To say, yes, yes. Let's do it. Let's do an ad. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe. You just want to write a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do any of those things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace is the one that's got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help at any time. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name so you can get something that fits you specifically and your idea. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I know so many people who use Squarespace for personal websites, uh, resume websites, or, or just showing off some fancy pictures they took recently. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash material. When you decide to sign up, use our offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for us, your favorite podcast, The Material Podcast, hosted by Andy and Flo. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash material and the code material to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Well, as we record this, of course, the sad news of last Friday, the terrorist attack uh, for uh, Muslim worshipers in Christchurch, New Zealand, is still really fresh in everybody's minds. Um it's uh, as no matter how many times these things happen, and they do happen uh, shockingly frequently, uh, you don't get used to it. It doesn't, they don't just fade into the background. They are, every life lost is a unique story that just delivers fresh, fresh hell into your brain uh, every single time. Uh, so uh, we are a Google podcast. There is a, a Google angle to this that's actually quite, uh, quite important which is the role that social media and Google, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in YouTube, uh, play in uh, disseminating violent videos and violent content. Uh, this particular terrorist attack was unique because it seemed as though the terrorists who uh, murdered those people almost designed this to become a viral incident. Uh, where there, I'm sure you know the details, but the video that the terrorists uh, shot 
while he was performing these horrible acts was being live streamed to Facebook where other people, I think the, the report was that only about 200 people were seeing it live, but of course it, news spread and they were capturing this feed yeah. and then re-uploading it to and it was available on YouTube uh and and for some reason people feel the need to make sure that they're also posting this horrible video to YouTube maybe for some misguided idea of no 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 this is news this is history we can't we must document this or just because people some and at the other end of the spectrum people who simply have a weird sort of violence fetish who can't who've lost a certain kernel of humanity that allows them to know the impact of this is not just a oh my god video this is horror being captured uh by a particularly sick individual um but this is exposing some of the weaknesses in uh, twitter and facebook uh and youtube and basically every single medium that allows users to post content without first being uh, handed to an intermediate arbitrator that makes on a case-by-case basis a human who has to human editor who has to look at everything uh and it's probably going to result in some changes but it's also revealed a lot about what happens at a service like youtube when something like this is happening uh but of course we want to start with uh part of that wonderful address that New Zealand Prime Minister mm-hmm. Jacinda Ardern, yes. this is exactly how you respond uh, to uh, a leader's. This is the definition of a leader. Mm-hmm. The, it was completely selfless. It was completely aware of what was going on. It was filled with genuine empathy. And it was part of the role of a national leader, which is to be the voice of a society that is mm-hmm. feeling pain to encourage the group hug and to hopefully start a positive path towards healing. Um, so I'm going to, but I'm going to, I really do recommend you read her entire address because it is absolutely amazing. Uh, but uh, we're going to, but getting right to the point of uh, what we're speaking about here on this Google podcast, I'm quoting here, he may have sought, speaking about the uh, the terrorist, he may have sought notoriety, but we in New Zealand will give him nothing, not even his name. We will also, speaking that he's not, we're not going to show his face, we're not going to speak his name, uh, we want to give our attention to, the, to his victims, mm-hmm. um, not even his name. We will also look at the role social media played and what steps we can take, including on the international stage mm-hmm. and in unison with our partners. There is no question that ideas and language of division and hate have existed for decades, but their form of distribution, Mm -hmm. the tools of organization, they are new. Finally, someone says it out loud. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) It's just like, ugh, nobody has said this. Keep going. We're we're in church. You're allowed to throw up the Jesus hands and (laughs) shout hallelujah. I'm just, I mean. We cannot simply sit back and accept that these platforms just exist and that what is said on them is not the responsibility of the place where they are published. They are the publisher, not just the postman. There cannot be a case of all profit, no responsibility. This, of course, doesn't take away the responsibility we too must show as a nation to confront racism, violence, and extremism. I don't have all the answers now, but we must collectively find them, and we must act. 
just yeah, again <sighs> that jesus is, hands i'm just uh, it's a, it's a very moving it's very moving uh i'm i'm happy to share it also because i'm happy to share it here also because this is uh, and this is the world we live in folks uh social media has affected i mean this is a country that so my husband and I visited New Zealand for our honeymoon. And so we, not that other countries are not also great, but we developed a special affinity for this place because it was like an absolute respite after all the madness of, you know, what uh, unifying two different families. And it was like the people there were just, it's just, this is just incredibly saddening. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have more to say than that. Uh, and it, it's saddening because I feel somewhat responsible for it as an American citizen. And that's what I mean to say by that is that like, I went to go visit someplace that just was beautiful and wonderful to me. And then all of this stuff happened to it. And it feels like, well, crap, I live here. I live in Silicon Valley. And this is where a lot of, this is where these ideas have started to really, that's, that's where they're taking, I don't even know how to put it into words. That's where they're yeah. propagating. That's where they're propagating. Is is on these platforms that were that were built fast to break things, whatever. For they were moving fast, and it doesn't matter if things broke along the way, as long as you know things were moving and things were being built. But like, look what happened. It's affected. It's affecting everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's it's such a complicated um, thing to discuss because that's the thing about powerful tools that. Uh, as f uh, much as we praise and are grateful for a new technology or a new anything for its power to improve our lives, there is always an equal and opposite power to do bad, to, uh, to destroy. And one of the things since day one about the internet, uh, since it <laughs> since way before the web even, was that it allows people who feel ostracized and feel alone to find their tribe, to find their mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And when it means that you have um, uh, a little girl who's 10 or 11 years old who is being made to cut her hair like a boy and being made to put on boys' clothes, and even though she knows absolutely that this is not right, this is wrong... And society being taught that she is a freak for feeling that way and the ability to, where she's not finding any support in her family, certainly not finding anything but abuse inside her community, excuse me, her geographical community, mm -hmm. the ability to be online and find people who are now 22, 23, 33, 43, who felt exactly as she yeah. did when they were that age, to know that this is not you are not a freak. This is this is something that a lot of people experience, and you can talk openly, even though you're not in a safe place to talk about that where you are geographically. Talk and again, don't feel as though you're isolated. You certainly don't feel as though you are damaged goods that you should harm yourself uh, physically the way that people around you are harming you physically and emotionally. And I love that. That is such a positive yeah. thing that these things do. What they That's also why I'm on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, what it also does, unfortunately, is that when you have absolute nuts out there, when you have white supremacists, mm -hmm. people who would 
they at least have enough sense of self-preservation not to say these things that they're in their heads out loud in public, not even to their friends, not even to their families, because not because, gosh, I feel as though I'm going to be treated like a freak, but they know that they'd be challenged on this. This is not normal stuff. Uh, but to find a message board that will a welcome them with open arms and be a wonderful forum for talking about such hate speech. But not only that, certain sick individuals who have leadership qualities who will say, you know what, rather than just simply come on this message board and complain about it, why don't we take some action? You know, just, you're not going to hurt anybody. You're just going to be a, a presence. You're just going to be there with your gun. You're in an open carry state and you're just going to make sure people know that, <laughs> hey, white guy, you're not going to be pushed around. That's the that's the dark side of this power of the internet to create communities. And uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook and all these other services, they're going to have bigger and bigger problems uh, addressing this. There was um, uh, the Washington Post uh, had one really nice piece uh, in which they spoke to uh, Neil Mohan, who's YouTube's chief product officer, to basically give a rundown of what was going on uh, at YouTube when these videos started uh, popping up. Um, and it's a really interesting story about how that this is not something that they've never dealt with before. Unfortunately, they've dealt with violent content like this uh, and also uh, just uh, a content that's designed to provoke violence uh, and have to, how to respond to it. And essentially he uh, activated the, what they called a, a war room, which is a group of senior executives at YouTube known internally as incident commanders that go into a special mode when footage of a suicide or a shooting starts spreading online that uh, they were removing tens of thousands of videos largely. And the, the problem being that uh, it's, uh, if everybody, if they were, if everybody was re-uploading the original video and labeling it the Christchurch shooting, it would be like algorithms will get that immediately. Yeah. But just as anybody who has uh, watched, watched pirated episodes of Nine Hundred Two One Zero on YouTube, just say exactly it. right. <laughs> I was I was going to say BBC. <laughs> BBC, it's all right. for me, for me BBC because, come. The, yeah. the, so it's so it's sped up a little bit or it's window yeah, box inside right. like a, a field of other video or, or, or a different headline that that masks right or it. they've pitched it up or pitched it down or put some sort of a static over it so the algorithms are going to get or aren't going to get it or uh, and or it's not even labeled with any text that would identify right. it because they know that this person had a copy of it and they were they were on a message board and they said oh here's a link to exactly what you're looking for with all the you know, so oh we're talking about this horrible incident well i've just put the video up there it's called happy fluffy bunny paints their rec room even though it has nothing to do with any of that but hey you know where to find it because here's the link uh and so they were they're they're taking these downs at a case of at a rate of once per second at some point uh and they oh god that's yeah. a lot yeah sorry and they they were and they go into this is why they have human beings that go into crisis mode uh at youtube about this they but they weren't keeping up with it and so they started well we're going to disable search functions disable first and uh those search functions being able to search for video for a specific date for instance are still disabled as they try to figure out uh, how to solve this problem uh, they were also doing things like uh, uh some of the sometimes the algorithm will 
uh, hold a video for human review. Uh, right. And so they basically said, well, uh, and here's a quote here from uh, Neil Mohan. We made the call to basically err on the side of machine intelligence as opposed to waiting for a human review. So basically they said, guess they put the robots in charge temporarily. Say, if you even suspect that this is bad content, just delete it or just just block it. Uh, don't even have it up for five seconds while someone uh, someone gets up there. Um, he said uh uh, this was a quote. This is a, this was a tragedy that was almost designed for the purpose of going viral. We've made progress, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot of work ahead of us. And this incident has shown that, especially in the case of more viral videos like this one, there's more work to be done. Uh, and yeah, there's this. Uh, like I said earlier, clearly this maniac was. It, it was like he was trying to create a viral something that would absolutely go viral. Uh, the 74-page manifesto, uh, using memes and uh, sort of buzzwords, and a lot of what he was what he was talking about uh, seemed shrewdly planned to reach as many people online as possible. Uh, and they actually made comparisons that it was spreading way faster and in way larger volumes than videos of like the uh, Las Vegas shootings of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because those shootings were people who are on the ground with their camp with their uh, with their cell phones, as opposed to someone who is really trying to engineer an event here. Um, it wasn't until about 24 hours later, and a work that was rec- that was described as round the clock toil, uh, companies officials finally felt the problem was increasingly controlled, but acknowledged that the broader problems were far from resolved. Quote, every time a tragedy like this happens, we learn something new. In this case, it was the unprecedented volume of videos, Mohan said. Quote, frankly, I would have liked to get a handle on this earlier. Okay. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, he said that (laughs) on the record to a journalist. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I I, uh, I feel a little bit for YouTube here. Yeah. Um, Not again. There's just people. There's just people handling this operation. And I mean, go ahead. Sorry, Andy. No, no, I'm just, no, no, no. (laughs) Again, any, any, any show of empathy for another human being is not uncalled for. Uh, I think in general, as a, as a basic thing, anytime you deny the humanity of another human being, I think that's the worst uh, Uh you can possibly do. Um, yes, there, YouTube is definitely responsible for the dissemination of this video, but it's not because they were saying, oh, wow, look at all the traffic we're getting. This is great for our bottom line. Far from it. They have protocols absolutely against things that are, uh, not even, uh, as horrifying as this video. They have mitigations to try to get this stuff down. It's just that when I don't understand people who, have this attitude of oh well geez this video is hard to find because google's algorithms keep keep taking it down there can't be a reason for that i'm going to make it hard for the algorithms to identify this so that the humans will know what it mm. is but the algorithms won't the fact that when you have a world a planet full of people who are trying to get this piece of content out there and treating uh, the youtube's algorithms as a black box say that okay that got flagged so if i'll change it this way that too got flagged okay so now i'll add this tweak to it ah good that one got in uh it's such a hard Welcome thing to, to get algorithms through. folks like that's that's exactly how they work i mean it's it's a math it's like a math problem you just got to keep tweaking it until it gets it right yeah or at least that's how i did math <laughs> and there was a and there was uh 
obviously there, there's a lot of anger uh, that are that's looking for an outlet uh, yeah. and justified and unjustified. And again, with YouTube, it's some of both. Uh, it, it's it's sort of like if you've got a thousand acre property and there is a sinkhole uh, and some kids fell down and got hurt or killed. It's hard to know how easy it would be to walk the entire property and make sure that there are no sinkholes or un, undocumented wells that haven't been boarded over, but it did happen in your pro, on your property. And so therefore you are responsible for this. Um, Senator Mark Warner uh, uh, on Friday uh, in an email to Gizmodo said, quote, the rapid and wide scale dissemination of this hateful content live streamed on Facebook, uploaded on YouTube and amplified on Reddit shows how easily the largest platforms can still be misused. It's it is ever clear that YouTube in particular has yet to grapple with the role it has played in facilitating radicalization and recruitment. Um, and yeah, that's it's. But I, I I would say that I think it's because it's just a huge problem. They did add about ten thousand. Uh, excuse, I don't. I'm sorry. They have about ten thousand human content moderators working on YouTube, and they added thousands more when it was clear how effective Russian meddling in the United States elections had been. And once again, uh, moderation of content was going on well before the that the Russian scandal actually actually broke. It's just a, a huge problem of scale that they are now they now have a responsibility to address. But I don't believe that it's because they haven't been trying to address it. And I think that they're as horrified uh, as a, they don't want to see their playground being used to hurt people as opposed to its potential to be a communications tool to give people a voice. I mean, ultimately we need just the stuff needs to be editorialized. I mean, is that, I think I'm using the right terminology. Yeah. It needs to be editorialized. It needs, people need to go in and edit it and curate it. And when there is a disaster, as, which is what I'm going to call this. When there is a disaster, there needs to be exactly like that. I'm glad that they had a quote unquote disaster team that was ready to come out and just sort of go into just get to work making sure it's just it's just a it's just the way that we're gonna have to do the internet from here on out. Because it yeah. just, which I realized for a lot of people like, but the internet is all about being free and being yourself and being whatever you can. But it's like, yeah, but that was that was back then. Like, this is now. Yeah, like we've changes. seen we, the world has changed. We've seen the way that this has evolved to the way the way the internet's role has evolved in society. Society, of course, took the internet for what it was supposed to do. But now that it's sort of like blown up into this uh, agent of of propagating just evil, it does need to be reined in. And the only People who can do that are people at this point. And yes, we can use machines to help us, but uh, th this is just the new the new way of the internet. And I think any internet company now just this is they this is what they have to implement. Uh, that's it. Yeah, I I, I just hope that um, we spend some time thinking about this and focusing on the results that we want to get. Yeah. As opposed to we the we must do something syndrome that sets in. We feel powerless. And when we do something, we feel as though we're reclaiming some of the power that we feel as though we lost. Remember that the uh, September 11th uh, attacks, now that it's been 16, 17, uh, 18 years later, we can, uh, sorry, yeah. 2001, I'm sorry, 2011, my apologies. Uh, 
now that it's been that we can we can say that there it exposed a lot of weaknesses in our security that needed to be addressed it also left us with the tsa and immigrations and customs enforcement and uh, and ice we're being we're now we're seeing that we weren't so worried about what ice could do because we had presidents who didn't see it as a blunt weapon Mm -hmm. they they we had there was this agency that had immense powers that could be used in the case of an emergency but when you see somebody who sees this as an this agency as an expeditious way to appear tough on a certain made-up issue that's where we start to regret that we moved really, really quickly to create this new levels of protection that we built this wall that now will just as can easily fence us in as opposed to keeping the bad people out. And I don't want to see a new censored internet where every single and it's impossible. It's impossible for me to have a message board on my blog because I'm going to be responsible <laughs> yeah. for every single thing that gets posted on that blog. Or if PHP on my server is a little bit out of date because I I updated it on Thursday instead of Monday, and in those two days, the my server was being without my knowledge being used as a relay for uh, for terrorist uh, terrorist traffic. Again, nope, nothing on the website, nothing in the message boards. It's just that it's being used as a gateway to anonymized content. And now we can't have it. We can't have any publishers without huge gatekeepers. And it's going to be the only people who are going to, the only organizations that are going to be able to uh, have the resources and the financing to police their content are going to be the Googles and the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Apples. That's, we will have lost something really, really important. So I hope it just doesn't happen. Um, but God, I really want to talk about this for another hour, but we've got another yeah. big stories. I just want to, but before we go, uh, uh, Motherboard also has a really good, uh, good piece. They uh, got we'll link access to the show notes. Yeah, so it's linked in the show notes. This. They got access to an internal memo uh, in which Google was discussing the problems of specifically the terrorist manifesto uh, for the content moderators. Uh, Here's a quote from that memo. The manifesto will be particularly challenging to enforce against given the length of the document and that you may see various segments of various lengths within the content you are reviewing. Uh, So the problem is that uh, they they already have systems in place for how this stuff should be dealt with. Uh, They are whenever terrorist content or violent content like that gets posted or appears uh, or or uh, appears in search results. Uh, it goes through a challenge of uh, if they they're supposed to mark this stuff as terrorist content unless there is an educational, documentary, scientific, or artistic context, uh, and pieces of EDSA content are also not quote gratuitously graphic. So they they have to find a balance between sometimes there is news uh, there is news validity to this content but they want to make sure that it's not being posted by a hate group that it's being posted by the washington if the washington post is quoting a section of this manifesto that's okay uh but if someone is on a a, again on a white supremacist uh, board is quoting it about how wonderful it is using the exact same quote that's entirely different meanwhile as part of the memo it's saying if you are confused about what's right or what's wrong error on the side of of banning the of banning the content and making sure that when people do a Google search, if they're doing a Google search on this material, they're going to be pointed to 
sources that are going to put this in the context of here is a news, uh, here is a piece of, here's a news story, and this is part of that news story, as opposed to amplifying this terrorist murderer's message, which is all he ever wanted when he was uh, when he, when he decided to uh, to to take on uh, this horrible, hideous, gut wrenching act. Uh, it's really hard. Uh, the email says, according to uh, Motherboard, that Google generally wants to preserve journalistic or educational coverage of the event, but does not want to allow the video or manifesto itself to spread throughout the company's services without additional context. An exception for media outlets would be if they displayed footage that included a moment of the attackers shooting civilians. So this is a tough, tough job. This it's something that I've, I think about uh, from time to time that um, part of the difficulty I think these companies have is that they st- what they created was something in the late 90s, which was going to be a really great way to find things on the Internet or a really great way to share family videos with friends. And then, wow, actually, you can produce a whole TV show. That's wonderful. They weren't part of their business plan and part of their wildest thinking. They weren't thinking about we will be creating an information infrastructure that connects the whole world together that can send any message whatsoever. And it's going to be our job to make sure this isn't that our fun little research project is not weaponized in any way. So they don't have the cultural uh, infrastructure for doing it. And now over the past five or 10 years, they've had to start to build that. Uh, and I do believe, at least in uh, Google's case and in YouTube's case, this is something that they take extremely seriously. Uh, and I look forward to their continuing to talk about the problems and the solutions that they are seeking uh, because it is horrifying when these things are playing out and you realize that it's reaching exactly the wrong audience because of the same tools that I use to entertain myself with for a couple hours a day. It's, again, it's one of the, there are, there's an endless list of nauseating components to um, this story. Uh, what it does to YouTube is way, way down on the list, but there is an endless list of things that nauseate me about this story. I wish I wish we had like a a break. Yeah. <laughs> that we could put in here. Yeah, because we're talking Be like, about Let's something... take a break. Okay. Well, we'll 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 gut through this because it's it'd be hard to talk about uh this uh, Google's new uh, streaming game platform next week instead of this week. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, they made this announcement at uh, the Google, uh, excuse me, at the Games Developers Conference. So this is all within the context of wanting to get developers on board. This sort of thing. I don't. It's not really a consumer level uh, media event yet. Well, uh, it was announced at the develop, Game Developers Conference, which is everybody's there to okay, make true. stuff. But it's, but it's, yeah, but it's well, not no, like no, no, no. Just for, just providing context for our listeners. Right, the, exactly. The GDC is very much a developers conference. I've gone, uh, with like as press, but also to see like what I could get there, and it's mostly it. It's very de- developery. Like there's a whole area just for submitting your resume, <laughs> so, <laughs> and like having it looked over, which is just like, yeah, this is definitely this is a trade conference, and uh, I'm just here for the freebies. Is really what it ends up like. <laughs> You could be this time next year. You could be making three hundred thousand dollars a year and living in one of the nicest cars in Palo Alto. 
so uh, Google was has been rumored for a long time to be working on some sort of a streaming rumored. game service or platform. The, not just rumored. It was just it was like straight up uh, leaks. You, like, you yeah. know, the, the, it was blind items at that point because like right. you knew it was them, but it was just a blind item. But the, the 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 thing about rumors is that you don't know the you don't know the context around them. That someone will have a picture of a game controller, and you don't know if it connects True. to a box that they intend to sell con- to consumers. It's not like celebrity rumors. They're not hanging out at restaurants. You know, there aren't paparazzo following them everywhere. So you can't really get into what's really going on the way you could. In you can't. You, you you can't look at the Google Chromecast and know that, oh, it used to have this tattoo on the dongle, but that tattoo has been erased. Ooh, that and now it says wino for some reason. <laughs> uh, think twice before getting a tattoo of a lover's yes. name. Just think twice. Especially if uh, their name is Winona, because that's a hard name to change when it's on your body. Or at least, you see, you don't have to tell your partner this, but you can tell the tattoo artist because they're, they're, if you picked a good one, they can handle this thing. Exactly. I want, I want you to... I want my my girlfriend to clearly see that I've had her name tattooed on my on my shoulder. I want you to design it so that if three years from now we had to make it look like a detail in one of the <laughs> wings on the winged man <laughs> on that le- on the cover of that Led Zeppelin album, we could just reuse those lines and just. That's okay, uh, but yes, we're. I'm sorry, we're we're having fun. We're running a little bit. Meanwhile, we're, the we're trying, trying to change. I'm trying to we're change try, the mood. We're trying to create uh, a sorbet. Yes. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I'm trying to help change the mood by being silly. Uh, so. Uh, yeah. so, 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 so now we, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's hard that we're, we're going to be, we're going to be grinding to find second gear here, but we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so the, the thing is, so we knew that they were, that they were working on something that we knew that they were getting into gaming, but you don't know exactly how, to be honest, I've watched the entire hour and 10 minute keynote video, which mm-hmm. is still online. I have read all kinds of analysis and I don't think we, I still think we don't know exactly what they're doing. We do know that there's, it's called Stadia. That uh, it is a way to uh, it's the plural of stadium, stadia, yeah, stadii, <laughs> stadiorus, and uh, the idea is that uh, you're running the game hardware on Google's uh, Google servers, so you don't have actual game hardware inside your house. That is right out, uh, and that uh, it can it'll be able to stream games of uh, f- at uh, 4K resolution, 60 frames per second HDR. Uh, at launch day, including uh, Dolby Digital Sound, will be able to do 8K and 120 frames per second in the future. Uh, that it's going to be akin to like an Xbox or a or a PlayStation, uh-huh. in that it will be a platform that game developers will specifically develop for. So it's not as though uh atari will be able to d- upload their entire catalog and now you can stream like atari's greatest hits through a web browser uh although you can play this through a web browser uh bandwidth requirements will be 25 megabits per second down minimum uh and that must 30... be nice that's nice yeah again i got fios so <laughs> that's good that's gonna work fine that for me. must be nice that's nice yep yep yep, yep. um you might need 30 megabits per second for 4K, but that's reasonable. And they are expecting the requirements to go down as the system improves. Uh, really cool that the game can start in as quick as five seconds. So if you push a button on the controller, you're gaming in five seconds. So you don't have to, you, you don't like turn something on and then, hey, we're downloading system updates. See you in 10 minutes. Hey, we're downloading game patches. See you in 15 minutes. You push a button and boom, five seconds later, you're going. Maybe. Um, 
Maybe. Well, if you're not uh, being uh, throttled that day. Uh, true. They they're saying they thought about they said in all these interviews and uh, I've seen that that the project managers do they said that they've thought of all of this stuff so they know that uh, you can get throttled down they know that uh, that latency is going to be a problem uh, one of the things that they're doing to solve it is that uh, the service is going to be delivered by uh, seventy five hundred server locations worldwide at at worldwide at launch that's to make sure that there's actually one geographically close to you. So that you're not <laughs> connecting to a server in Kuala Lumpur uh, if you're in Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, the but the other cool uh, cool thing is that again because it's not because it's completely hardware almost completely hardware agnostic. Uh, Stadia games will work on any desktop or S- any desktop or Android phone. That is the benchmark they're giving is that as long as it's powerful enough to deliver a good YouTube experience. So if you can watch YouTube in 4K or HD without stuttering, without uh, without it, bu- having buffering issues, you should be okay. So that really puts a whole bunch of devices on the board. Uh, they were demonstrating it during the keynote with what they said was one of the oldest PCs they could find. And of course, because it was a demo, it worked fine. Uh, but it would mean that if you've got like uh, old laptops should work fine, uh, even maybe a Raspberry Pi should work okay because it's not doing any of the processing power of running the game. Obviously, it's just maintaining the stream. So if it runs YouTube very well, then it should be able to uh, run a stadium, get play a stadium game through it very, very well. Um, they did mention Android phones and Chrome OS, so you're in. No mention of iOS, so that might be be them wanting to hold on to exclusivity i doubt it it might be just because on ios you can't just have your own browser stack uh running you have to use some form of apple's developer uh resources so that they might have a it's, it's possible they're simply having a problem creating a version that will run on any app store uh uh, Apple iOS App Store compatible browser, so we'll figure that out. Um, it will work with any USB controller or uh, or a mouse and keyboard, so you don't even have to. If you're running on a, on a desktop or uh, a laptop, you don't have to buy anything. It will just simply run. Um, but what if you want to plug it into your TV? Well, it will also work through any Chromecast Ultra equipped TV, uh, or I assume anything that can do the job of a Chromecast Ultra. So, for instance, I would assume that because my NVIDIA Shield can act as a Chromecast target and will stream 4K, yes, that it should work with this service. This will be... This is yet to be proven, but it seems as though either you're going to have to buy a 50 or $60 uh, Chromecast dongle or... Again, if you have an existing device that can do video streaming, let's see if it works with all these smart TVs that work with this stuff. Again, this stuff has yet to be seen, but again, the limitation is not on the hardware. It's on the ability of this device to uh, to stream video at 4K uh, and at a high frame rate. So a lot of stuff is on the the table there. Uh, If you are using a Chromecast, then you will need a special controller they've had custom-made, the Stadia controller. Uh, And that's – which has some pretty cool features in and of itself – it doesn't – it's not like a, contr- a controller on USB plugs into your laptop, so it's you're sending like switch presses to the laptop, which is then sending it to Google. 
No, this is a Wi-Fi controller that speaks directly to Google's servers. You are simply, when you press a button, right, it goes right. directly to the server in Google without any uh, any interference in the middle. Um, it also has a couple of special buttons that highlight some of the f- special features that Stadia offers. Uh, for instance, it does have the Google Assistant with uh, with extensions so that you can say, you know, hey, Guillermo, I want to play Doom with uh, Anne and Buster and mm-hmm. Claudia. And we'll just simply hook you up and get this get this thing going. Uh, but it also has a, 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 a uh, you can also ask it for help. If you're playing a game, you can ask for help on wherever you are right now without having to say, do a Google search for Red Dead Redemption. How do I get the Shlomo or whatever? It will just basically help and it will find a video that will walk you through how to get through this level of the thing. And also a button that will stream it, uh, stream what you're doing uh, through YouTube. Everything that you do is potentially captured as a YouTube stream because part of what they've built this around is knowing that a lot of people are streaming. Yeah, that uh, well, you can always tell like what was on the little flashcards they gave every marketing person and all the presenters the day before because every single interview will have one of these uh, the, the same words and one of the pieces of data that they clearly wanted to get out uh, is that they know that they've got two hundred thousand people watching games uh, on YouTube. Um, at you're just you're just making sorry you're making me think about the way that all this the meat is made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but yeah, sorry so to interrupt your thought process. Nope, nope. More like more like I dated up. I I was up very very late making sure that I understood all of this. So there was a there there was a, there was a lot to process in that. There was a lot that was kind of missing here. Um, the other interesting uh, another interesting aspect of this is again it's it's not meant to be like a virtual uh, Xbox that you connect connect to remotely like you connect to a remote computer. It really is youtube but as a gaming service even though they're not calling it youtube the central unit of a game title is actually just a link like a a, a url so that any any means by which you can communicate a link like a text message or uh in a a youtube video comment section email anything a message board uh, slack you click on this link and five minutes later you're playing this game or you're uh or you are even just uh, it, it allows them to manipulate games in special ways. For instance, it's not just click this button and hey, you've put in a, you put in a Blu-ray and you've launched this game program. Mm-hmm. It can also have uh, a, a thing called state share. So for so we'll take you to an exact point in a game with an exact set of circumstances. So not just to think of this in current game terms as. That's just, hey, I'm going to give you the save state of this game at the final boss level so you can just get right to the final boss. But it also could do things conceivably like, like let's say that your team has lost the Super Bowl during, due to a really horribly blown play in the last two minutes of the game. The next day, someone could set up that exact play with those exact teams, that exact stadium in like Madden Electronic Arts Sports and just say, okay, well, here's the play. Here's the play. You run it. You see if you can get the pass completed under these these circumstances. So that obviously sets up a lot of interesting interaction or not interaction because another part of this is the idea of uh, – they didn't use this term, but I made this up because it seems, it seems descriptive. You've heard of non-playing characters. You can have non-playing audience members. NPCs. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, NPACs. Yes. Wait, NPAMs. <laughs> So you can you can have people that are just they I don't I don't I'm not here to participate in the invasion 
of of, of, of throne world scene. Just to watch. I just again, I just want to be like those Civil War families that they you hear about in the history books, where they would, oh look, this is a Civil War battle happening this afternoon. Wouldn't it be delightful to pack a lunch and sit on this hill and watch these people fight each other? What a bunch of privileged jerks! Uh, well, I have to say about those people. She, thank she God must we're not be like nice. that. Thank God we're not <laughs> like that anymore, huh? Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, this so, is all. This is all very streaming centered. This is not even about games. I think. I think it starts with games, but it's not going to be about games in the end. The same way Twitch started about games. Yeah. But it's not about games in the end. It does. That's why it's. Uh, I, I I had to quash any idea of oh well it's like net Netflix for games. Well no because Netflix is like a virtual DVD player well, where you don't have fly. to. Gamefly is Netflix for games. Right, exactly. This is this is like an entire it's not only legitimately an entire game platform. Again, uh developers are going to like they can use Unreal, Unity, Vulkan, all these tools and and mm-hmm. middle middle apps that they use to develop games. It will be developing games for this platform as though it were another uh, another game console. But the idea of saying what can we do, what what advantages does it give us to have everything completely in the cloud, completely in the server? Uh, that go beyond not having to find, not having to like blow on the cartridge before inserting it to, into the console. Um, they uh, Phil Harrison is one of the uh, uh, mm-hmm. one of the chiefs behind it. Uh, he has a great uh, great uh, uh, quote about this, and uh, there's a link to in the show notes. They they he gave a great interview to Eurogamer.net that really tells you all you need to know, like beyond the keynote. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a, his quote. Uh, it's not a game system. It's not a console. Contrary to rumors, we are not entering the console business at all. Actually, the point of our platform is that we are not a console. It's a place to gather. It's not about marketing a device or being device-centric in our thinking. We're not making a box. We're making a place. It's a place where you can have different types of game experiences, whether you're watching, playing, participating, whether you're being entertained, or whether you are the one doing the entertaining all that being joined together into one idea, very inclusive, hopefully over time expanding to include the broadest set of gamers we could possibly imagine today, scaling into the future and supporting every kind of game from input modalities to fundamental game types and styles that you can experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. Get the, this, yes. is a, this is just a plan to power up YouTube. See, this is why this... <laughs> This is why Stadia is actually a very important discussion in today's podcast. Today, we're just talking about all the stuff that's happening with YouTube. We're talking about the unfortunate part of having this vast platform. And we're talking about now how Google is going to... I mean, essentially, this is just a new way to leverage this giant streaming platform because Gen Z is all about that streaming. I know we talk about generations yeah. on this podcast, but that's because the world is changing. Yeah. But that, no, that, that's that's exactly right. It's difficult when I when I think of gaming, I still think of I there's a device, there, there's a cartridge or a, a disc that I have to put into yeah. a machine. Uh, I think of network gaming as I'm going to get like eight friends over. They're going to bring their PCs. <laughs> we're we're going to like have a LAN party. It's hard to imagine the idea of having a, a melee with 5,000 characters, uh, all of which are actual living people, but just things that they, they can scale up. That's one of the points that they're trying to make that because if the developer decides that he wants, he or she wants this game to have ungodly processing power for this one mm-hmm. scene they can have their game get ungodly processing powers they can get 5000 people fighting all at once instead of just two or just three 
little karate guys on my Apple IIe. I don't know what was wrong with the two karate guys. I thought that I thought Karateka was a very very entertaining little game. That was a hard um, game. Hard game, especially that that eagle at the very very end. Um, anyway, so uh, see, but Andy, you're a gamer. I'm a uh, I'm a gamer, but I don't like getting like my my butt whipped by like ten year olds. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I can understand that. I don't. I, I play I play I play some games. It's just that. I don't have the time to really like invest two weeks in an all compelling, wonderful, like open world story. I'm mm. the sort of person who likes to get like the red tiles to collapse against the blue tiles, and ah. then a little bunny eats the carrot that gets revealed when all those tiles smash together. That's the sort of game that is more my speed. Um, but okay, so uh, there's lots more we can get into, and I uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, we won't get into hour three of this show. Uh, but uh, for all of that, there is a lot of stuff that they didn't talk about that are kind of crucial to uh, to this entire operation. Uh, one of which, uh, like, when will it ship? And they don't. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not going to say. They're going to say they only say 2019. So you got to assume it'll be out sometime before the holidays. Maybe they'll have it have it ready so people could sign up for it at e3 in the summer right which is in june yeah so all we know is sometime in 2019 uh we also don't know is this a monthly subscription or is this just like um like an app store where we pay 60 dollars to get red dead redemption and or just that game is worth 65 dollars i don't Yeah. yeah i'm very this is going to be interesting. Uh, let us. It, this is a keynote for a concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, they're talk. I, I I bet that behind closed doors, some developers asked, "Well, how are we supposed to make money off of this?" And they explained uh, under NDA how they're supposed to make money off of this, but they didn't mention that to anybody who <laughs> did not was not in a closed off little room at the W Hotel across the street. I'm guessing. Mm. Uh, but it's it's still a super interesting idea, um, the especially when you think about uh, this a little bit more in the abstract, where you go from having this console that is a physical box that might be consuming 150 watts of power uh, and has all the limitations of what they can package and ship inside a relatively attractive-looking box to a Chromecast dongle that just draws micro USB power off the USB port inside the TV itself. And it means that it, it, this is another uh, tidbit from uh, point of view from the Eurogamer.net uh, interview, which is saying that, you know, you have problems like packaging all this hardware inside the box. Well, we can make this as big and as ugly as we want because it's in a server room. No one's going to see it. It doesn't matter that it, you need this Chernobyl-style, like, Soviet cooling tower to keep these GPUs cool. We can put them in there. It doesn't matter it that— Soviet-like. It's very brutalist. It, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter that we've got these screeching fans that you need ear protection because, again, it's in the server room. The person who is in the living room mm-hmm. doesn't have to see any of that. And when it comes time next year that we want to, if we want to add more performance, we will do all of that in the server. No one will have, ever have to like buy new hardware. Yep. It will be uh, everybody's. Oh, everybody, of course, is going to be worried about what happens with my broadband. Is it fast enough? And what happens when my neighbors start using uh, my neighbors start using uh, internet or start streaming their own 4K video? And what happens if the my signal goes down for like one quarter of a second? Uh, and maybe it's enough to reset a connection. 
and those are all things that we're going to find out when they finally release. But they, they were making a point of, we're Google, we do YouTube. We have certain knowledge of how bad broadband can be and how to keep a stream that's up. That's true. That's so, true. I think that's a real that's a good point that I I didn't consider. I just thought it was very I, I don't know. I would have I thought it was a little short-sighted. I don't know if short-sighted is the right word, but it just felt very like like hey, if you happen to live in an area that has extremely great internet, like this is for you. It just didn't feel accessible for everybody. I think that's why it was yeah. a little like like okay, cool, but you know, a PlayStation is way more accessible actually than an online streaming service because you can play the PlayStation offline. Right. You know, and still have access to it. So it's, it's an interesting, um, I don't know. It'll be, I'm really just, I, I would have liked to see some game titles and not just like game company names shouted out. So yeah, they said they, the only one, the only games they mentioned were Assassin's Creed, which, which was part of the, uh, the stream test, uh, that I was a part of. Um, they did mention. They, mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they also took t- mentioned took time to mention that. By the way, that was running on a really straightforward and unsophisticated version, precursor to what we're shipping. So, if you are happy with the stream quality of, of that test, it's going to be even better. If you are a little bit disappointed, we feel as though you will be less disappointed with what comes out this time. But so uh, that game, uh, uh, a new version of Doom. There was a third developer that was on stage mentioning how they were going to be uh, leveraging some of these unique features to create a game that is unique, uh, uniquely exploiting the features of uh, of uh, of this system. But yeah, we don't know. If, is it going to launch with five titles? Is it going to launch with a hundred titles? Um, they were they go in lots of these interviews. They make a consistent point that they certainly hope that developers will port their really really popular games to this new platform but they're especially they feel as they'll feel as though it really will not have served its purpose unless they create brand new games that absolutely take advantage of what this thing can do so it'll be interesting to look at i'm very very pleased that i'll be able to (laughs) to experiment with this without having to kick in 450 dollars for a new console box Mm -hmm. uh, for me because maybe it's targeted towards gamers like me where uh, I I enjoy gaming, I enjoy being at friends' houses and playing games, but I can't justify spending four or five hundred dollars for a box that does whose primary function is to distract me from paying work. But for to pay, and again, they also haven't mentioned how much this Stadia controller is going to be. But let's say fifty bucks for fifty bucks, if it can connect to my uh, my Nvidia Shield, or if just through my laptop, I can just simply play and uh, and sample it. Yeah, that's that's an interesting prospect. We are just gonna have to, at this point, <laughs> wait and see. Is yes. apparently is the new thing. But uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to delve into this. I'm a Nintendo gamer, so that's kind of where <laughs> where my heart lies these days. Just because of the Nintendo Switch brought all this new accessibility. But yeah. let's see, let's see where Stadia fits into the game. Um, I haven't tried playing games on like the Android TV or anything, so this is. Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's like you said. Uh, it's interesting to see what role this service will fulfill. Um, I'm sure that they. I'm sure that everybody at Google is aware that they're not going to take over the gaming market. They want to 
I think that it, I don't even know if they want to have attain a slice of that pie mm-hmm. so much as, hey, look, we've also got this cake over here that you haven't tried that maybe you will like and you'll want to spend some of your gaming budget on. Uh, because the Nintendo Switch, it's beautiful because maybe you can't have a kid in the back seat of your minivan of your of your SUV playing Stadia games through a phone. And going through all your bandwidth, your mobile bandwidth that way, but you can throw them in back with a Nintendo Switch, and it's awesome. And it's a, it's, it's very a great, true. It's very personal. It's very you feel as though this is yours, as opposed to you are at the other end of a very very long tether. So, I'm excited to read what people who game every single day have to say about it. They'll probably be very very nasty about it, just the way that I'm very nasty about keyboards that i feel are sub subpar uh for someone who wants to write between 1000 and 10000 words a day uh you really want to you really want to hit somebody where they feel as though you're hitting them personally so when you when you ask a gamer and well typical latency for a game is uh 50 uh, 50 uh, milliseconds ours is 52 milliseconds oh god you just don't get it you just don't get it come back to me when you're serious about di- yeah, gaming yeah exactly <laughs> And they're right for the way they game, so that's why I'm really looking forward to seeing what, how gamers react to like the actual thing when it gets released. I feel like this whole episode can be summed up as like the power of YouTube. This is, <laughs> this is really what the context is here. It's as we say in our logo, it's Google all the way down. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, now anything anything we want to mention about our personal lives to help people to monetize our lifestyle before we end this one? Not yet. Not okay. yet. Uh, next week, though. Ooh, excellent! Just a tease. <laughs> next week, I'll have more. Well, if you say. want, to, if you want to uh, monetize us in a more uh, more personal and direct way, <laughs> yes. uh, go to really.fm/material. You'll not only find our show notes with all the links of the stuff that we've been talking about, but also a way to become a member of Relay.fm, in which you are uh, directly contributing to the production of the show and to the care of feeding of uh, Flo and myself. And we definitely exactly. appreciate it. <laughs> we care and feeding everybody who takes that who takes that extra uh, extra sign extra extra effort. Uh, that way uh, because it is very very kind and very very appreciated Uh, and also we are closing in on uh, episode 200 we're going to have some special guests we're trying to figure out if we want to do another bonus episode to celebrate this Uh, plans are still being discussed the only thing that we know for sure is once again both Flo and I will be buying really really big delicious horrible for our health cakes oh yeah uh, that we will pretend that we bought to share with everybody who is on that podcast, episode number 200, but we know is just going into our gullets. Uh, so that's uh, that we have T minus five. Uh, if you listen to us next week, we will be at T minus four before episode 200. That happens seven days from now. Until then, I hope everybody has a wonderful, faithful, and lovely seven days. <laughs>